0: Good evening and welcome to the Independent News Hour. I'm John Tarleton, Editor-in-Chief of the Independent, New York City's progressive newspaper and website. I'm joined today by my co-host, Amba Gagarian.
1: Hi, John. It's great to be here with you and all of our listeners on WBAI 99.5 FM and streaming on WBAI.org.
0: I'm excited to report that our November print edition will hit the streets later this week. Uh, Meanwhile, you can find our latest Uh, News coverage online at independent.org. That's I-N-D-Y-P-E-N-D-E-N-T dot O-R-G. In our November issue, we focus on the Palestine-Israel conflict, the same topic we're going to be discussing in the first half of the show today. If you'd like to join that discussion in a little while, you can call us at 212-209-2877. Again, our call-in number, uh, 212-209-2877. We'll be taking calls a little uh, later in this Uh, part of the show.
1: And then in the second half of the show, we'll be talking about the resurgent labor movement. The United Auto Workers, or UAW, announced a historic victory yesterday in their six-week strike against the big three auto companies, that's GM, Ford, and Stellantis, or Chrysler. We'll hear from the president of Local 3039, which represents workers at a Stellantis Auto Parts warehouse in Tapan, New York, that went on strike on September 22nd. And we'll speak with Andrew Tilson, the executive director of the Workers Unite Film Festival, which kicked off on Friday in the city.
0: And one other uh, quick note here. Uh, Early voting is underway for the November 7th uh, uh, city elections. Uh, That early voting continues uh, through Sunday. And then the election day will be next Tuesday when polls will be open from 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. on election day. Uh, uh, All the city council seats are up for um, up for uh, election. Uh, And there are some competitive races. There's also some judgeship races races, and a few other matters. You can find out uh, more, if you like, at vote.nyc. And now we turn to the Israel-Hamas war. Uh, now in its 25th day. Uh, And we'll also, of course, be talking about the uh, anti-war movement that is uh, burgeoning in reaction to this uh, conflict.
1: Right. And um, at this point, Israeli forces are reported to have advanced to the edge of Gaza City, a densely populated city of 750,000 people, more than 8,300 Gazans have been killed in the conflict, according to the Palestinian-run health ministry, and that may be many more injured. And, um, I just wanted to add it in. Uh, for those who doubt the numbers of the uh, Palestinian-run health ministry, um, there is an article by the Washington Post saying why they, um, trust it and how the numbers have been generally reliable, because I've been hearing about that lately. But continuing, that toll is sure to grow. After the Israeli Air Force bombed the Jabulaya neighborhood in Gaza earlier today, leaving a massive crater in its wake, officials at a nearby hospital said there were hundreds dead and wounded from the attack. The Israeli military sought to justify the attack, claiming it had killed Hamas, a commander said to be at the site. Um, now we're going to hear actually from the ground, from on the ground in Gaza, there's been a few reporters, um, uh, that were, you know, um, that are providing sort of on the ground coverage that really like you know from the streets um as well as others that are you know doing their sort of regular more official type reporting this woman's name is Bisan i'm not sure of her last name she's a young woman um probably in her early 20s who uh was Palestinian living in Gaza um and was a reporter before you know October 7th happened and uh has been uh m- reporting much more than she ever did before that since the crisis uh bringing to those who want to know what's happening there in Gaza and see it with our eyes uh much information so first we're going to go to some reports from Bisan over the weekend right after um a blackout ended um and during some intense um an intense bombing campaign that uh, that happened during the blackout so we'll hear her um some updates from that
2: this is descent from Gaza. It's now 1 a.m. Uh, the 28th of October. Uh, and by now, you don't know anything about Gaza since six e- hours. Um, so today at, or oh, yesterday at 7 p.m. at uh, to 8 p.m., the Israeli army cut off all the internet and cellular connections. Um, am um, they dropped white phosphorus i am walking while carrying a wet clothes so i can wash my my nose and my eyes because they dropped white phosphorus. I saw it, I heard the voice, uh, the sound, I heard everything. And by the way, they're using new weapons on us. They're trying new weapons on us. We are not used to all these types. We, as experienced in the bombing, know, know some weapons, know some bombs, know some war plans, but these all are new. They are used tonight, especially tonight, and there are news that the Israeli army are now inside Gaza in, on ground from Beit Hanoun city in the north and from from Brej refugee camp in the east. And this is another crime. This is a, this is a war crime. This is against international law. This, this is against everything as the occupation itself is.
1: Right. So that was Bissan reporting from Gaza. She's sheltering in uh, southern Gaza, took shelter since a couple days after um, yeah, the Israeli forces went in after the October 7th Hamas attack. And we heard from her there on the 28th on Saturday. And we are now going to go to a couple other clips from Bissan where we hear her talk more about the toll that um, the war is taking on uh, her streets and, and her and her mental health
2: it's just a normal walk to find some food and um, in the Rimal neighborhood, I, I'm, I'm sure you've heard about that night uh, when the Rimal neighborhood was destroyed and, and I was, I'm really shocked. This is not the, the, the city I know, this is not the city I'm, I was living in. They are losing our minds. We're having delusions. Wallah we're we're having delusions. Um, tonight, I, I I stood up uh, at uh, two thirty a.m. screaming and trying to cover my nose and my 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 eyes with with uh, a cloth, a piece of cloth, and some water, because I I I I, I think I saw. I saw uh, 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 white spray bombs, and I thought they're real. And I realized that I, I was like everything was like a delusion. It was not real. To, to, uh, today, the morning my sister uh, she's she's saying that uh, I'm, I'm i'm hearing screaming all the all the day and night inside my head and my mother is hearing uh raining so what is happening i don't know but we're losing our minds we're losing our sense
1: right so that first clip that we heard was um, Bissan walking around a completely desolate street. Um, it, it's the only videos I've seen of her where there's not a lot of people around. Usually she's in the shelter or she's reporting from, um, you know, the Al Shifa hospital. But in this video, it's just desolate. And it's true there's just nothing there. It's just, I mean, there's a couple buildings still standing, but the majority are just crumbled and, and there's nobody walking around. Um, and that was recently she posted that video just nine hours ago. And the second video you heard where she's talking about the delusions that she and her family are experiencing was on October 16th she'd heard about the White Phosphorus bombing but hadn't experienced it yet herself so she was having nightmares about it and then those nightmares came true over this recent weekend and as far as it goes um, for her talking about um, weapons being tested on um, Palestinians uh, there, there are various articles that talk about that, this one is a bit old but it's the Pulitzer Center in 2016 saying the cruel experiments of Israel's arms industry so that's just one reference and if you would like to follow it? Bissan, I will tell you she's on Instagram. I'm not, don't think she's on Twitter, but she's on Instagram and it's just at wizard underscore Bissan one. So that's W I Z A R D underscore B as in boy, I S A N as a Nancy one. Those were some some interesting reports, right, John?
0: Oh, absolutely. And uh, uh, we'll also have uh, more from Bisan. In our uh, print edition, I was mentioning that will be coming out later this week. You helped uh, compile some of that. I know you've been following her coverage very uh, closely. And yes,
1: uh, and it's online also. If you want to uh, get a better look, um, there's an article that was uh, up on the independent.org as of last night. and We have um, some footage from her there, too. If you're not on Instagram and you want to hear more from Bissan, check check independent.org. That's independent with a Y.
0: Right on. So. Uh, this unrelenting brutality of Israel's war on Gaza has sparked protests around the world, uh, this past weekend, including here in New York. On Friday night, Jewish Voice for Peace took over Grand Central Station with a crowd that spilled out into the nearby streets. Uh, roughly 400 people were arrested inside, uh, Grand Central, uh, during a, a sit-in that they carried out. And uh, Amba, you were there, uh, covering things on the, on the, from the outside with the crowds um, there. Uh, Any quick thoughts about uh, that experience of of being there on that night?
1: Uh, Yeah. So I'll say, yes, I was on the outside. So there was um, thousands of us on the outside. Well, there were also, I think, thousands in in the atrium, in the the Grand Terminal, you know, Um, and uh, it felt powerful. It felt like people were hearing um uh, us that's the great thing about you know demonstrating is that people can hear what you're saying everyday people, whether they're annoyed by it, they, they can't, you know, they can walk away from it, but they've still heard it. Um so there's that and and uh and more people kept coming, you know, I think as people saw, because this was an action that was only dropped the day of because it was, you know, for, for reasons of not wanting to have all of their plans ruined, obviously. And and so a lot of people didn't know they couldn't be planning days in advance to come to this action. But as they saw it being updated on social media, people came down to participate. So I think that's great. And then I'll also just say that I, you know, I spoke with people of all sorts that night. I spoke with a young Egyptian rapper who had just come out of the station on a tour, you know, a well-known rapper, Weggs. And he, and he walked he into He
0: was here in New York to perform.
1: Yeah, he came out for a tour. Yeah, he's on a tour and he was coming from Montreal on the train and he comes out and, you know, there's this, these, this protest led by non Zionist Jewish people, you know, saying cease firing out. And he couldn't, you know, he was moved by that. He was like, you know, these are Jewish people. Wow. That's incredible, you know, because he lives very close to Gaza. obviously Egypt has its own relationship and, and war is going far back with Israel and Israel trying to cede, um, Egypt's territory, um, as well um but so that was great i spoke with an old an older you know quite older israeli man who was there holding the whole i don't know how he kept that sign up above his head for a very long time ceasefire now and um he you know said that biden had lost his vote and i spoke with a uh on an account of how he's handling um this crisis and I also spoke with a young 14 year old Palestinian woman who well a girl really who had never been to a protest before I decided to interview her because she was so heartfully you know leading a chant when there was a moment of silence I could tell she was moved it turns out her mother brought her and it was her first protest ever but she's been in communication with her grandparents in the West Bank and you know very closely related to everything that's going on and and she 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 was one of those you know great souls that this d- 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 was moved to to move to act you know on account of that
0: Right, and it's all. And then
1: then I'll just add briefly on Saturday. Unfortunately, I couldn't make it. Um, but I've been to a few of their protests, and I uh, recommend going. This group within our lifetime, Palestine, Palestine or W O L Palestine, holds great. You know, uh, protests led by the Palestinian community, and there were tens of thousands of protesters on Saturday marching through Brooklyn. They started at three p.m. at at on Eastern Parkway at the Brooklyn Museum, and I know that you know they were heading up to war through downtown Manhattan and lower Manhattan at 8 p.m. without stopping. So I don't know where they ended up ending, but they were at it for hours, they, hundreds they, of thousands. They made it
0: to Union Square was where the. They
1: did. Okay. The I didn't want to did. say Union Square, the UN, but they made it to Union Square. And, you know, there will be more. And as, as, uh, many, some of our listeners may know, there is also a massive protest happening, um, uh, on this coming weekend on the 4th. Um in, in DC, um, and I don't know if it's just ceasefire now, Free Palestine, exactly what the messaging is. But you can check in. I know different groups that are, you know, doing a lot of messaging and organizing buses around it are the People's Forum, New York, the People's Forum, the Palestinian Youth Movement, um, the uh BT Newsroom, Breakthrough News, has a lot of information on it, and they'll be doing live stream. And so
0: the answer coalition. Uh, the answer is-
1: coalition. And if you're a tenant, there's coalitions of tenants going, you know, they see this as connected to, you know, the rights of the people to land or space, right? Um, so Brooklyn eviction defense is going. I think CHTU is going, Crown Heights Tenant Union. If you want to go with one of those groups, all those different organizations I just made, if you look them up, we'll have information on how to go. And worst case scenario, you can reach out to the station or reach out to us. But lots of people will be converging in D.C. on the 4th.
0: Right. And uh, 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 the answer coalition, of course, uh, that was formed uh, very (laughs) shortly after uh, September 11th, 2001. uh, when uh, the war on terror was being launched and, and, and they were a linchpin of a lot of anti-war protests in the early 2000s. So, um, you know, in, in some ways we're coming uh, full circle here with another, uh, you know, uh, eruption of uh, war and conflict in the Middle East and, um, you know, the U.S., uh, right in the thick of it. Uh, and this
1: time is, is is unique, though, because, you know, thousands of people are being killed in very short time spans, far, far more killing than we've ever experienced. So I think that's probably partially what's bringing so much response around the world. Right.
0: I, I think that's a big part of it. I mean, I think here in the United States, uh, the uh, you know, there's a real generational uh, split around support for Israel, uh, both. Uh, inside the Jewish community and in the, uh, larger population with older people, uh, you know, I think, uh, still, uh, maintaining a, a sort of more positive image of Israel as, you know, as this, uh, haven, uh, for Jewish people founded in the aftermath of the Holocaust in its earlier days. It, the people who ran it at least identified more as socialists and all of that. Uh, with the younger generation, uh, I think it's seen much more in the, in through the prism of uh, the movement for black lives uh, and through a, a, a racial justice prism where Israel is sort of seen more for what it actually is these days, which is an apartheid society and, and with, uh, uh, you know, very starkly different treatment for its Jewish and Palestinian uh, peoples. And, uh, you know, the younger generation is really turned off by Israel. And, yeah.
1: uh, I can't help uh, but wonder if it's partially social media, I mean, I'm, I, I'm honestly spitballing listeners here, but I can't help but wonder if it's, if it's partially social media because in a good way in this time, because the younger generation
3: yeah, is people generally, can more share. Lactose,
1: generally more liberal already on many issues, right? On uh-huh. anything. But this split is rather wide. And I wonder if part of it is because, you know, we are plugged in on our phones all the time watching these live reports, whereas older generation is watching the like highly censored, not that what we see isn't censored, censored too, but much more highly censored. Mainstream media on television. So that might have a little bit to do with it. Just one of many. Yeah, factors.
0: definitely. I mean, the average uh, viewer of, of a network, uh, a news show or a, a cable news show like CNN or MSNBC or, you know, Fox, for that matter, are, is probably 60 and up. And, uh you know, the people who are following social media or TikTok, definitely a much younger, a much uh, broader uh, uh, sources of information. Now, obviously, some of those sources can be <laughs> unreliable, but there's a lot that are, uh, you know, very authentic, like the ones we played, a, a few minutes ago from, uh, right. in, uh, uh, in Gaza. And just to circle back to that, uh, that, uh, huge, uh, rally and demonstration at, uh, at Grand Central on Friday night, uh, I saw a tweet, uh, from someone, uh, uh, her name's Katie Unger. She's a co-founder of Jewish vote, uh, and very active with, uh, some of these other groups that were involved with uh, uh organizing Friday's protest and she posted a a, a photo of a, a a protest at Grand Central in 2003 uh, by a a Jewish uh, anti-war activist uh and it was a very small uh, gathering <laughs> just in one little corner of Grand Central and then of course the other night uh the whole uh great hall there was uh, completely packed and you had people uh, spilling out into the streets as you uh, reported from and uh, so it just kind of you know shows the 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 growth in uh the Jewish community of more and more people uh speaking out about what israel is doing uh saying that it doesn't represent their values and 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 they can't uh, abide by it anymore and you know i think at least here in the united states uh you know any hope of uh breaking this uh bipartisan establishment uh consensus around sort of unlimited support for whatever Israel wants to do uh will st- in in many ways uh not exclusively but it will be important uh for more and more people in the Jewish community to speak out and say this doesn't represent us and you know because right now the supporters of Israel you know can really try to uh uh wave away uh, criticism and just oh it's anti Semitic or people you know these are a bunch of haters. And and you know, Jewish people just say we want a ceasefire. You know, killing thousands of people in our name does not represent our values. And and they bring a I think a, an additional level of clarity uh to the uh moral stakes and uh so it was super encouraging to see what we saw at Grand Central and I think my sense is uh the you know Movement for, uh, peace and the movement, uh, to speak out against what the Israeli government doing is growing in that community. And it's very heartening to see. And and they're very, on Friday night, they were very openly speaking about, you know, not just being for a ceasefire, but for being for Palestinian liberation, for the idea that uh, all the people in the historic land of Palestine, uh, should be able to find a way to uh, share that, uh, share that space with a society right. based on equality for all, not uh, exclusion and repression. So, um, the
1: chance we're not just not in our name, not in our name, not in our di- not on our dime, um, but also free Palestine from mm-hmm. the river to the sea. Palestine will be free, um, which I think has been thought of as a called by some, maybe an anti-Semitic chant but um when when you look at it as a more of a territory-based regional dispute i think it that can make sense and and i'm not trying to chalk it up just to that either
0: yeah and uh yeah i mean you can look at that chant in in, in two different ways uh, one is uh it's a uh a calling for all of um all of the territory there uh to be uh shared and for people to enjoy equal rights and equal justice uh, and, and not be this uh stratified apartheid mm-hmm. society now you can also take a bleaker look and frankly there are people uh certainly uh the islamic extremists in uh in israel palestine <laughs> they clearly want to uh wipe out uh, the population that is there um I, I mean part of hamas's stated agenda is they want all of that territory uh to be under sharia law so that's you know, obviously people like that are not going to be a part of the uh, solution and nor are the fanatics on the uh, on the Israeli side who are expanding their settlements every uh, almost every week in in the West Bank, where there's also tremendous violence going on right now. I mean, really, um, and it's very disturbing. Uh, I think, you know, we heard these comments uh, over the uh, weekend from Netanyahu when the Israeli ground invasion began in Gaza that uh, I think we can go to here in a minute, where he called for destroying uh, Amalek. And we'll talk more about uh, what he was alluding to after uh, we hear from uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu.
1: And in the meantime, callers, call in if you want to join the conversation, 212-209-2877. Please no hate speech from any side, but call in you think you have anything interesting to add, if you want to share any opinions, it's 212-209-2877 to join the conversation, 212-209-2877. In the meantime, we will hear from Israeli PM Benjamin Netanyahu. You must remember
4: what Amalek has done to you, says our Holy Bible. And we do remember and we are fighting. Our brave troops and combatants who are now in Gaza or around Gaza and in all other regions in Israel
1: are joining this
4: chain of Jewish heroes. A chain that has started 3,000 years ago from Joshua Ben-Nun until the heroes of 1948, the Six-Day War, the 17th October war and all other wars in this country are hero troops they have one supreme main goal to completely defeat the murderous enemy and to guarantee our existence in this country we've always said never again never again is now
0: okay so that was a uh, translator translating uh, the speech, uh, by, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. He was speaking in Hebrew. He had the translation there in English. Uh, Amba, uh, of course, when I, uh, when I heard this, I think like many people, I was like, what the heck is Amalek? What are we even talking about here? Well, of course, you know, the miracle of Google can give you these answers very quickly. Uh, uh, so the Amalekites, uh, were a, a, a clan or a tribe in southern Israel 3,000 years ago that were uh, rivals of the israelites and, and the two groups didn't get along and uh the, the book of samuel describes how uh, uh joshua who's referred to also there uh uh led a campaign to slay all the amalek, amalekites <laughs> or amalek and uh in that biblical passage uh, that uh netanyahu is referring to God commands the Israelites to kill all the women, the men, women, children, uh, infants, sucklings, to even kill the, the donkeys and the camels of the Amal- Amal- Amalekites. Uh, so the fact that we have this sort of, uh, messianic, uh, uh, religious craziness coming out of the mouth of the guy who's overseeing this whole military campaign. And he's re- referring to a 3000 year old war of annihilation to, inspire his troops and his people to get behind this war uh super disturbing and it it doesn't speak well at all of leaders here in america starting with uh joe biden that are essentially giving a unlimited green light for this but this isn't
1: uh, the first genocidal comment he's made during this uh, conflict or no, ever uh,
0: of course I mean, so that's been- uh, you
1: know but it is scary i mean he's, he sent that tweet now it's been and one thing i wanted to mention earlier was yeah you're right john there's a lot of misinformation out there on social media pictures from old conflicts that are showing up just fact check your stuff guys read various you know read and listen to and intake various outlets don't even just read wb listen to wbai don't just read the indie. read a lot and see what seems true it's very helpful in finding the truth but, you know, yeah, this isn't Netanyahu's first. On October 16th, he tweeted, this is a struggle between the children of light and the children of darkness, between humanity and the law of the jungle. That was another, you know, known sort of genocidal-esque statement. And and they've, you know, his ministers have said, we're going for maximum damage, not accuracy. So while they're saying, you know, in some situations, this is about, you know, eradicating Hamas at all costs, they've also said very clearly that, All of, you know, all the better the civilian casualties, not so what or not rules of proportionality don't count because of Hamas's strategy, but all the better the civilian casualties. And this is not a conspiracy.
0: No, Uh, we have uh, a caller on the line. Uh, Great. uh, If if, uh, a caller, if you can uh, give us your name and where you're calling from.
5: Hi, my name is Bill. I'm calling from Staten Island, New York.
0: Welcome uh, to WBI Radio, Bill. What would you like to uh, share with us today?
5: Yes, thank you. I'd just like to uh, interject with uh, maybe one or two thoughts uh, on the subject. Uh, One is uh, I believe most people, most people on either side, really do care about the innocence involved in this. I don't think, I mean, if there are, that's crazy. But I don't think any side is really saying, oh, let's kill both sides, let's kill everybody. I don't see it as that. I think the media is kind of trying to play it like that because there is political division in the country and in the world. Uh, another thing is just like the United States with the border crisis, um, having a lot of you know illegal migrants come into this country, especially at this time, is very very scary for Americans as well. I think that has to come into play as well because seeing on the media you know, people getting, you know, killed in their homes, you know, terrorists running through the streets, uh, literally killing babies, beheading, whatever the case may be. That's very, very scary for for the, you know, in general, for the public. So what are your thoughts on being that, you know, there's clerics in the world calling for jihad against Americans and Israelis and non-Islamic people? What are your thoughts? On that and uh, and the border being so open, and us as the country not knowing who actually, in the past two and a half years, has gotten in, which is now the tally is over eight million, and that's what they know about. That, that's that okay. My question. Yeah, you. we
0: we I think we get your point, Bill. Uh, so uh, maybe I'll just go quickly here first. Uh, I don't think uh, we should be afraid of of the uh, migrants coming up. Uh, to our southern border certainly in that way there's uh, i i think you know frankly there there's a, a racial tinge to what you're saying it's like well there's brown people in palestine that did a bad thing so uh if there's uh brown skin colored people uh, uh that are uh, fleeing to the united states from for various reasons of desperation uh, to to paint them in the same light i think is hugely unfair uh many of these people just as our uh, you know in previous generations will do wonderful things in this country they'll start uh, businesses their children will go to school and go to college and all all those things uh, i mean this country would be nowhere without its immigrants and um so i, and you I might say be don't a- be, i don't don't be uh th- i don't fall for the fear mongering i guess is 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 what I would say and um we can all be appalled by what happened on October seventh with those massacres but Uh, not just transfer that onto everybody who's uh, different from what we think of uh, as an American uh, is.
1: And the interesting thing, too, is that the borders that a lot of the Central Americans are crossing and the border, you know, that the Hamas uh, fighters crossed when they uh, committed the, the horrendous massacre on October 7th, those borders were both created by the occupying forces, you know? I mean, I don't know. I think it's important to think about history. Um, those borders didn't exist for a long time, and that was just the, those people's land.
0: But uh, uh, Bill, we thank you for your for your call. Um, we're going to uh, take a break here in a moment. We're going to come back with uh, uh, some uh, important labor coverage. Uh, Amba, you had a chance to talk with the UAW uh, union leader earlier today. We're going to want to hear... Uh, their reaction. Um, but first we'll take a quick music break. <laughs>
1: as a by lebanese singer sana and that's some traditional middle eastern music um you are listening to the independent news hour on wbai 99.5 fm i am Amma Gregorian here with my co-host john tarleton uh, and we are some of the editors at the independent the city's local grassroots paper since 2000. Yes, we are still a newspaper. We will be coming out with our new issue in the coming week, which you can find in boxes and libraries around the city, newspaper boxes that is for free. And you can find us at independent.org. That's I-N-D-Y-P-E-N-D-E-N-T dot org or on Twitter, Instagram at independent at the independent rather. And, uh, we are being transported to you. Our voices are being transported to you. The work and the news that we collect is being delivered to you thanks to WBAI, this great listener-sponsored station, which has been operating in New York City since 1960 Um only because of its listeners with Only Station, as some of you may know, that operates fully on account of our listeners. We have a fully no private interest, no corporate sponsors. And that means that, you know, our Humble listeners have to take out their humble wallets and give humbly what they can. Or if you're not so humble and you have extra money laying around, please give us flamboyantly as you can. So you 5, can. 10, 150 every month, 200, whatever you can donate, we need to keep delivering you the news. It's as simple as that. So, John, how can people donate?
0: They can get on the telephone and call 212-209-2950. Again, that's 212-209-2950. Or go to give number two, WBAI.org, and you can make a one-time contribution or even better, become a WBAI buddy for as little as $10 a month. By becoming a WBAI buddy, uh, you really help give this station uh, a, a extra uh, financial stability, knowing that that uh, money is coming in from month to month. Uh, we also have uh, sustainers at The Independent, and, and they're – Uh, A crucial part of everything we do, WBAI, and it's WBAI Buddy, super important program that you can join for as little as $10 a month. And there's also some great uh, perks uh, that come with becoming a WBAI Buddy. When you call. 212-209-2950.
1: That's 212-209-2950. Or. If you don't want to talk on the phone, you can just go online to give the number two WBAI.org. That's give numeral to WBAI.org. If you're thinking I'll do it later and you have a moment, you could do it now. You know, if you're driving, I mean, maybe this is crazy of me, but you could pull over and just do it. Give to the radio. Keep it alive because you love it and you love listening and you're feeling generous, but you also are aware that it's just a necessary part of continuing to listen to WBAI. And if you've never done it, today is definitely your day. Call 212-209-2950 or go online to give the number two WBAI.org. That's 212-209-2950 or go online to give the number two WBAI.org.
0: And when you give, of course, we'd uh, like for you to give in the name of the Independent News Hour. Uh, your support makes it possible uh, for you to for us to bring you this show every week with all the different guests we have, the news, the information, the analysis, the interviews. Uh, but also, I mean, this station has a great programming uh, throughout the week, every day: uh, news, public affairs, uh, cultural programming, uh, music shows, uh, and just uh, uh, the rest of the evening uh, lineup tonight. Uh, once we're done, uh, you'll have Democracy Now! from 6 to 6.30, Interpersonal Update from 6.30 to 7. Uh, the folks from uh, uh, DSA will be on from 7 to 8 with their show, Revolutions Per Minute. And then we'll have Out FM from 8 to 9 p.m., Cat Radio Cafe from 9 to 10 p.m., and The Sweet Spot from uh, 10 p.m. till Midnight. So just one really excellent show after another, a mix of, again, of news and cultural and music programming, a completely unique uh, programming that you won't get anywhere else on the radio dial in New York. And it's all made possible by your support when you call 212-209-2950. Um, and uh, we're going to move on to our uh, labor coverage. Uh, uh, this uh, was yesterday. Uh, the United Auto Workers, uh, President Sean Fain announced, a uh, final settlement of contract with all three of the big three automakers. And, and um, uh, you know, huge, uh, gains for the workers in that six week strike. And, uh, Amba, you had a chance to talk, uh, with a, a local a union leader, uh, up in Rockland County, uh, who, whose, um, uh, workplace, they were on strike, uh, uh for over a month.
1: Yeah the closest um uh parts distribution center that was in, you know Covered by the strike or could have participated in the strike was up in Tapan, New York, which is right outside of, uh, New York on Highway 303, 309. And, um, they had about 85 workers at the part distribution center that went on strike with the second round of, um, strike announcement that, uh, UAW president, national president Sean Fain announced, uh, some people may know it was a staggered, staggered strike approach approach. So, you know, some warehouses at a time, some centers at a time. And, uh, they were doing a 24 24- Seven strike they were out there all the time but let's hear from uh let's hear from jeff earlier today i spoke with the president of uh of 3039 that local up in japan and uh you know he's feeling good and uh, he's heading out tomorrow to uh with the other national with the other leadership to to have a national convention to decide if they want to really you know send that uh contract to their rank and file members to vote so let's hear jeff purcell local 3039 uaw president
6: Well, definitely the, the wage increase is a big win. Um, we at Lancers got um, some things like have certainly agreed upon by a company that um, they'll be probably released Thursday night. Uh, I'm not going to put everything out there because I don't know for sure what the vote is going to be on it, but there's a lot of good things that Lancers got that, you know, we definitely didn't expect to get. So definitely wages is one of the big wins, but... There's definitely a couple other things that, that's going to be ruled out that I think people will be impressed by when they see it. But the wage increase is definitely a big thing. The, uh, the progression, every year progression going down from eight years down to three years was a, a, a big factor in it. Um, so there, there's a lot of good things in the contract. Um, definitely Belvedere. A lot, definitely Belvedere. A lot of work is going back to Belvedere to give people that got relocated from Belvedere a path to go back home.
4: And that's um, Belvedere, that's a plant that was closed down and will be that was
6: uh, it was placed on idle earlier this year. Right. So that's it. Uh, that'll that's be reopened. Be, yeah, yeah, they're promising to put work into that that plant which will give some a lot of workers a pathway, you know, to return home. So that's definitely what I'm excited for for a lot of my members here that we for, more forced by the company to relocate out here and move their whole family. So if they can get a pass to go back home, that would be great for them.
4: All right. And that's Belvedere, Illinois, just so our listeners um, can know. Um, yeah. Right. And, and so you guys have been on strike. This was a 24-7 strike. Meaning um, all the workers at, at any of the locations that did go on strike um, were out there 24-7 taking shifts at the tap and distribution plant uh, yeah. where, where you're based out. That was uh, around 85 guys, you know, a handful at a time there at all hours of the night, rain or shine, all hours of the day, holding yeah. the line strong. So how uh, does it feel to have done that, to have that you know, under the belt of, of, of your local now and so many locals around the country, do you think it built solidarity and, and how are the guys, you know, feeling?
6: Uh, I definitely were proud of all of my membership. Like, um I definitely got a lot of the limelight and speaking parts and all that stuff because, you know, I'm the president, so I had to go around and speak for my members because I represent them. But, uh, I made sure when I came in yesterday, I was at work from, um I came in about 7 a.m. I stayed over until about 6.30 at night last night because I wanted to ensure that I saw every membership in my building. And I wanted to let these guys know how proud I was of them because I can only be as strong as my members allowed me to be. So I was able to focus on a lot of other things as far as getting our word out there and notifying people of our struggle because a lot of people didn't know what we were going through and a lot of people didn't know that, you know, we were here at Japan and you know, it took a lot for us to go through it. So I was able to focus on that because my members stood solid. And like you said, it rained for pretty much shoot out of the six Saturdays we were out there. This past Saturday was the sixth Saturday. It rained five out of the six Saturdays. So. We were out there at the rain, sleet, snow, whatever, whatever came at us. We, we, you know, we stood in solidarity and I, I can do nothing but give my members all the praise and, and I'm proud of them more than they'll ever imagine this being the first strike that I've ever I've ever been through as a president, you know, it was, it was rough for me, but they basically, they, they definitely made it easier and the solidarity in the building. I actually think it was a positive note for us. You know, people are coming back in and we, we really realized that we all, you know, Regardless of what anybody can have against each other, while you know you might, we're all human beings. We might have our differences sometimes at another, but when it came down to it, and it was time for us to step up, we all stood us all dirty with each other. And I can say not only in New York, but across the whole big three, across the whole UAW. I think we all should pat ourselves on the back of that, and that's something that's you know to be proud of.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And and what do you think about you know a broader sort of Rising labor movement. Obviously, there's, you know, lots of talk about this. Uh, but, you know, the, the, yeah, uh, Teamsters, um, with UPS, yep. you know, with the strike threat, uh, won also, you know, a really sort of impressive, um, you know, contract that for this current, you know, recent era, past few decades is unprecedented to, to what you guys are, are winning. You know, um, really strong labor gains, strong unionism, um, strong leadership. And, and for example, uh, Sean Fain, UAW, president, you know, has uh, bargained so that the the next, your contract, let's say this contract is approved, that that would expire April 28th, meaning that everyone would go on strike on May 1st of 2028. Um, uh, uh, and that's May Day. That's International Workers Day. And as we know, in U.S. is like one of the only countries that doesn't celebrate International mm-hmm. Workers Day. So uh, all that to say, you know, I know Fain is encouraging other other unions to do the same so that there could be in years a mass strike on International Workers Day. Do you, Mm -hmm. how does it feel to be a part of that? Do you think that this is something that there's momentum moving toward? Do you think that uh, workers in America are ready to fight again and to say, hey, we deserve more?
6: Definitely. Um, This is definitely a union year across the board and I think that it's only going to get more intense. me being a young worker and being a tier two worker myself, like, uh, um, I, I'm not one of the senior guys. A lot of people that came to my line saw me. I'm a younger guy. So me being a president and a younger guy shows that, you know, the younger people can get involved and we can yeah. really fight to get this going. So I was glad to be a face for that and be somebody that you can, you know, represent and see that. And I feel that a lot of people have already came to me since we got our tentative agreement and said, you know what, when it's our time, would you come and support us? And I told them, well, absolutely, I'll be there to stay in the line with anybody else like they did for us. So I feel like, you know, even though we're UAWA with Big 3, we had um, huge support from the AFL-CIO. Um, we had huge support from the Teamsters. We had CWA out there. We had nurses' union, teachers' union out there. Like any union that you could think of from um, all the way down in the city, we had we had uh, Greyhound bus loads of people coming up to take it with us on days. So the support has been tremendous, and we're, we're, as UAW workers, we're prepared to show the support back to anybody else. I've already told people, you know, if somebody needs help, we're trying to figure out, because there's a lot of unions that they want to go on strike. They want to take this step. They want to fight for, you know, their working-class wages, but they're scared to take the first initial step, and they don't know how it's going to play out, and they don't know what the company is going to do to them. And I just hope that we can show an example that, on my local level, We've never been on the strike before. We didn't know how it was going to play out. You know, a lot of members of the Big Three have probably never been on strike before, especially yeah. like Ford. So if we can all stand in solidarity and we can figure it out, we'll be there in solidarity for other people when they figure it out as well. But I'm definitely proud to have been a president and be somebody at the forefront of this in our region and in our area. And I'm going to be even more proud to, to help other people out when it's time for them to fight for their rights and fight for their fair wages.
0: Okay so that was Jeff Purcell uh, talking with the Independent News Hour uh, earlier today he's the president of Local 3039 uh, at the Stellantis uh, Auto Parts Center in uh, Tapan, New York uh so uh, you know reflecting there on a the huge victory for the a- uh, UAW and uh, um Uh, While strikes and organizing are super important for a workers' movement, it also requires a broader shift toward a culture of solidarity that values workers and the work they do and supports their struggles for a better life and a better world. Our friends at the Workers' Unite Film Festival started promoting that culture long uh, before unions became cool again, and we're pleased to report that they are back on the big screen with their 12th annual film festival, which kicked off this past Friday at Cinema Village Theater. Uh, they will be screening films there all week to capture the sweep of the labor movement and its myriad concerns, not only battles with the bosses, but struggles against racism, poverty and war. And that uh, film festival will uh, pivot in its second week, uh, starting on Friday, over to the uh, People's Forum as well as SUNY Empire State College and will also be featuring select films online. Joining us now to talk about the film festival and its significance at this moment of labor upsurge is Andrew Tilson of the Workers Unite Film Festival. It's executive director. Andrew, welcome to WBAI Radio.
3: Thanks, John. Thanks for having us on. We're thrilled to be here. We're back for our 12th season, showing films all about, as you said, the different facets of the worker life experience, including organizing unions, just day-to-day grind, what it's like to be a migrant worker coming to the US with very little support and very unstable existence, very precarious existence. So we have films at Cinema Village till Thursday night here. Uh, tomorrow night, we have 1,000 Pines about the guys who come here from Mexico on guest visas to replant the pine forests that had been decimated by firefighters Station. fascinating movie that you never think about why people are brought here. Wow. Fault Lines from the Front Line covers, it covers what happened during the period of COVID, but in particular, it covers what happened in workers' lives, where workers were forced to be in factories, like meat factories, where COVID spread very quickly in a very deadly way, even though they were protesting about the conditions. so, Thousand times and fault lines from the front lines kind of focus on what it's like to be migrant labor in the U.S. and kind of trying to make your way through a very complicated and dangerous process. And then Thursday here we have Abigail Disney herself coming to show her film called The American Dream and Other Fairy Tales. That's at 6.30 on Thursday. And that's a, a film that looks about American inequality through the lens of Disney World, where her family obviously built this huge conglomerate and a huge fortune, based on fantasy America, right? So she's telling the real story of what's happening now. That's Thursday at the festival, uh, and then as John said, we move on on Friday to the People Forum with American, which is also an amazing new movie about how unions, in particular in this movie, Amazon and Starbucks Workers' Union, serve as one of the only leverage points against gross economic inequality. And American has been out for a little bit of time, but very few people, not enough, have seen this amazing movie. And it's going to be at the People's Forum, again, about 6 o'clock on November 3rd. Those are some of the things coming up. We're also thrilled on Saturday the 4th, again, at the People's Forum, to have all three parts of remastered the Battle for Chile. So all three parts with a couple of breaks in between. You can see the remastered version, which looks incredible, and come over to the People's Forum.
0: And and Battle for Chile was this incredible uh, uh, documentary uh, that was filmed in the early 70s uh, in uh, uh, Allende's Chile as as the country sort of teetered on the verge of uh, uh, of the coup that later came. and But it really captured those movements in all their vitality. Correct. Right.
3: Pablo Good- yeah. is a, uh, documentary. I Hello. yes. Yeah, I'm here. All right.
1: Sorry, Andrew, about that. And it was filmed by Patricio Guz- Guzman, right? Who is who kind of came to be the top voice on on documentary, especially like people's on the street documentary documentaries. But speaking of that, Andrew, you know, finish telling us the info about when we can see that at People's Forum. But I also just want to hear you talk about your inspiration behind this, behind making a, a film festival, you know, uh, of documentary films around people's and working people's issues and why you think it's important.
3: I happened to grow up in a union household. My mother from the time of the child, I was called a red diaper baby on ticket lines from the time I was little. And I had a sense about labor unions organizing uh, to a great degree, but I came back to New York and I went to the Murphy, what at the time was the Murphy Institute. Now is the school of labor back in 2010, 9 10, and realized there was no kind of decent film festival, no accumulation of all the new movies that were coming out about organizing unions, about inequality in a city that has one of the highest union concentrations left in the country. And uh, we took a stab at it. We were successful, and here we are 12 years later, Keep putting the stuff out there. We've expanded it so that we go from January to June online on the event of uh, celebrating each month of workers' issues, uh, Black History Month, Asian American History Month, Women's Labor History, Women's History. So we try and make ourselves a resource for any worker group, any union, in order to use what now is a library of over 500 films that we've accumulated over 12 years. So we both do the festival this time of year for a couple of weeks, but we're around year-round doing different things.
0: Right. We're, we're down to our last 30 seconds or so. Uh, can you let folks know where they can uh, find out more information about uh, the 30. remainder of the film festival?
3: Yeah, www.workersunitefilmfestival.org. And you can go on to Event. You'll see our link for Eventbrite. So go buy your tickets for the rest of the festival. And keep an eye on the site if you want to watch the virtual festival. It will start on November 3rd. and go to November 10th with about 80% of the movies and the live festival. So you can catch it online on Eventive as well. And, okay. Uh, thank you, John.
0: All right. Thank you, uh, Andrew, for joining us this evening over at uh, Cinema Village, uh, getting ready for another night of screenings there. Uh, That wraps it up for this week's show. We thank our board operator, Reggie Johnson. Ambo, what's our uh, final music for tonight?
1: We're going to listen to Equal Rights and Justice by Peter Tosh. And if anybody remembers three weeks ago, we hardly got to hear it at all. So here you go, a little longer with the song.
6: crying out for justice everyone is crying out for peace yeah None